Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I cannot see Carly wearing it anywhere, honestly. Like, not even to dinner with the Kushners. <gasps> oh, no, Tyler, don't say that out loud. Everybody, 2020 is here and the shade has, we're coming out of the gates with the shade, you guys. I am so excited. The bad bitch quote of the first one of 2020 is from none other than a guy named Tyler Neasonly, who is a contestant on Project Runway. Um, As you know, um, Carly Kloss is one of the judges. I guess she's like the host and judge and she is also married to one Joshua Kushner, who we know is the brother to Jared Kushner, uh, husband to Ivanka Trump, and therefore Carly and and Ivanka are sisters-in-law. Great. Um, So the challenge, you know, every week on Project One Way, they have a challenge. And this week's challenge was to dress Carly. Um, The challenge was to dress her with, um, I guess, like recycled goods from Goodwill. So he, you know, the, the dress didn't go over well. The outfit didn't go over very well. And he said well, you wouldn't even wear it to dinner with the Kushners. She makes the face, um, not unlike the kombucha girl, like, hmm, didn't like that. Didn't leave a good taste in my mouth. But, um, I, I mean, the shade was real. He actually had an interview with people, um, and basically said that he felt like he was misunderstood. He said that he felt like they had, um, developed a rapport, had a banter with each other in which they could kind of like joke and play with each other. And basically that like this, 
this wasn't it. Um, and he just felt like, you know, she didn't take the joke very well. And he actually said that he felt pretty bad. Um, you know, she went on to say that she thought that the poor, the fabric choices were poor, that they look cheap, the pockets are ill-placed, and if this is your aesthetic, then that's that. But this is about the aesthetic and the influence of my stylist, and you really miss the mark here on all accounts. Now, some people said that if you watch the entire clip of him continuing to get critiqued and um, that it sort of changes the narrative, but I am a firm believer of sometimes you have to take an L to give one, you know, sometimes you got to put in money to get a larger return in the end. You know what I mean? And so I think that this is amazing. I'm keeping it as a bad bitch quote of 2020, (laughs) the lead in. And yeah, let's go on with it. You guys, so many things have ended and so many things are starting up again. I'm so excited. We are being relieved of Real Housewives of Dallas. We're being relieved of Real Housewives of Orange County. Finally, New Jersey is starting to pick up. Um, so I'm going to be talking about all of those things with Moni from the awesome podcast mixing with Moni. She has great guests. She has great content. So if you have not heard from her, of her before, definitely check her out. Um, and, but before that, I think I just want to get into a little recap of Love After Lockup, which premiered this Friday. Um, there's actually no 90 Day Fiance this week. Um, even though I haven't recapped it in a couple weeks, I think I, I just really don't have any, too much to say. I think that, okay, I do have a lot to say. The memories are flooding in now. (laughs) But I'm just going to go quickly to the couples that really have hit a note for me. Um, I think in terms of Anna and Marcel, I think Anna is an unwell person. I have gone from like, well, I don't think I ever really felt pity for her, but now I feel even less for her. So we found out that Marcel finally told his parents, his family about the kids, about Anna having three sons. But there was a rumor going around of somebody who claimed to speak fluent Turkish who said that Marcel did not tell his parents Anna has kids, as in I already know and I'm telling you now. He said, I found out that Anna has kids, which is a wildly different thing putting the onus on Anna like he had been deceived, like he came to America and suddenly there were three teenage boys, you know, adolescent boys in the home. Um, so there's, you know, there was a lot of emotional breakdowns. There's a lot of Marcel getting down on his knees and weeping. A lot of him like walking around barefoot. Um, a lot of Anna really putting her foot down finally and saying like, okay, well, she, I, I should guess I should backtrack. She wasn't really putting her foot down when Marcel's saying, I have to go back to Turkey because they don't approve of this relationship. However, he does say that he still wants to be with her. I don't know how he intends on making that happen, but he is still trying to make it work. Anna gets him a hotel room, says like, this isn't going to work. We're done. And he's trying to FaceTime her, you know, they, with these translation apps it makes these conversations so like stilted and so funny they're having a facetime conversation where she's like no i hate you and he's like please anna she's like no 
do not call me anyone. Just like the way she has to speak to him to get him to understand is so funny. They really are having this like intensely emotional moment where they're both bawling, but they still can't communicate correctly with each other. It's, I mean, this, this show is just incredible. Um, the other couple that I really want to talk about is, well, no, I, I'm going to go to Mike and Natalie because I found his behavior to be very strange. And that's coming from somebody who thinks that aliens are, um, responsible for the creation of the world. Um, so basically the big hubbub with Mike is that he is concerned now that they've come off of this fight he is now concerned that there might be something wrong with um her visa and he says (laughs) in the wildest thing like rather than he, he goes to the consulate or the embassy to try to figure something out they won't tell him anything they say that like you know you're your application is pending. We can't give you any further information than that. You just have to wait it out. So he gets frustrated. He, they go to get coffee and tea and he's like, well, you know, we're still having some issues with the visa. So, um, is there any chance that you're a fucking liar? And that basically, um, you know, have you applied for a K-1 visa? Have you tried to come to America before? Like basically putting everything on her because, you know, God forbid there be anything else, you know, maybe the fact that you're thousands of thousands of dollars in debt might be um, a deterrent for having you be able to, you know, claim that you can take care of somebody when you're that much in debt. Um, So she naturally gets upset. And I understand she's like, why are you coming at me so intensely? Like, I mean, they tease this like maybe she has a secret maybe she doesn't but she doesn't she's like I've never applied I never had any desire to be America everything on my side is clean and I truly cannot believe that you're like coming out with me all suspicious um so yeah I thought that was whack now the third couple that I want to talk about is of course Tanya and Sinjin Tanya is still you know, shaking her ass on the beach and in the club and flirting with dudes in Costa Rica and having the time of her life. Poor Sinjin is walking around, you know, barefoot, um, doing chores for his mother or for her mother, drinking Jack Daniels in the middle of the day, um, singing opera in the front yard, just trying to (laughs) occupy his time. He's got no friends. Basically the only people that he can talk to and hang out with are Tanya's family and Tanya is not giving him anything. She is being completely cold and not understand. Well, I think she completely understands what she's doing. She's just being a jerk. (laughs) She's not contributing to this relationship at all. Sinjin has made it very clear. Like, I would like to communicate with you. I understand that this is something that you had to do. I completely support your decision. Um, However, I would like for you to communicate with me. And even though I know that you're a strong woman, you are in a foreign country. You do go out frequently. And I would just like for you to call me and text me and let me know that you got home okay. You know, if if you're going out, just let me know. Check in with me when you get in. Oh, I can't do that. Because I just like to go home and I just like to go to sleep. Like, I just can't be bothered. And this is, why are you so needy? And, you know... I just can't do this. And he can't, you know, 
I can't be expected to fulfill all his needs because he doesn't fulfill all mine. And even though that this is like the most minor thing that anybody could possibly ask for in a reasonable way, um, I just can't. I just can't text my boyfriend. I can't possibly take the two seconds that it would take to make him feel comfortable. Even though she's like wasted with him on FaceTime, FaceTiming with him, with her, um, her salsa instructor, who she has already made it very clear that she finds attractive and wants to hang out with. She's being a complete jerk under the guise of being this, like, like, I'm just trying to better myself in our lives. Like, I, I cannot believe her. Hashtag save Sinjin is alive and well in 2020. <sighs> okay, let's go on. All right. So like I said, Love After Lockup came back and I just wanted to touch on it real quick. I mean, there were some highs and lows in the episode and they really started off strong. Now, this is actually Life After Lockup season two. So the casts, you know, various cast members from Love After Lockup are now, you know, it's like a like a 16 and pregnant teen mom situation. So now we're following their lives after, you know, and how they all make it work. So I'm going to start off with Angela and Tony because this started off real hood, <laughs> real trashy. Um, we get this iPhone footage of Angela because obviously production was not there. She is pulling a full, like, what's a redneck, um, waiting to exhale moment where Angela Bassett is setting fire to all of her man's belongings. But instead of it, it's like, you know, instead of piles of tailored suits and, and fancy shoes, uh, you know, in a Mercedes, it's just Angela building a fire pit outside of her trailer, um, smoking, you know, one Marlboro light after the other. And basically saying she's setting fire to his, the prison letters, the letters that he sent her in prison. <laughs> so we find out that Angela, um, excuse me, Angela done found out that Tony was cheating on her. And how she found out is that he was asleep. He still continues to work at this motel that he was working at, you know, when he got out of jail. He was asleep. She went to go look through his phone. It was passport word protected. So she took his SIM card, put it in her phone and found all these text messages that basically informed her that Tony was, um, how do you say, um, he was involved in an exchange of goods and services. And by that, I mean, he was letting sex workers, um, giving sex workers free hotel rooms for the day so they could do their business in exchange for having sex with him, basically. Um, so she's livid and producers finally arrive. We get these, you know, actual camera footage of her smoking right next to the stove and telling us all this stuff it's she's she's obviously I mean should he be smoking next to a stove I don't think so anyway so she said that she had let him go to work because she wanted to have the day to figure out what she was going to say to him what she was going to do about the situation so she he comes back from work and he says oh we got something to talk about dude and basically she tells him that she found him out and you know he's like very confused and like oh I didn't really do that you know we're just flirting he was just joking like I never touched them there was nothing physical they're just my friends blah 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 
So she kicks him out and she calls the woman that he had been texting with saying like, you take care of him. I'm not going to be, you know, he's kicked out of my house, even though I guess he, cause he's still on parole. He has to technically live there because that's the address that he gave, but she kicks him out. And <laughs> it was, it's just worth noting that Angela has interesting tastes. There's a lot of, you know, live, laugh, love style signs on the wall, crosses. Um, but right next to the door where she was kicking him out, I noticed there was like a Victorian, like, you know, that leg lamp from, um, a Christmas story. It was kind of like the lampshade was like that. Um, you know, like a very like boudoir Moulin Rouge style, <laughs> um, burgundy lampshade. But there was a, <laughs> a Trump doll on top of it. Like one of those like two dog toys, not like a, I'm supporting Trump. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what Angela's political affiliations are, but it looked like a Trump dog toy. We'll just say that. Um, and that was the end of Angela and Tony for this week. Next, we have Megan, Michael, and Sarah. They were probably the breakout couple of seasons one and two. Um, if you guys don't know, Megan and Michael developed a relationship um, while he was in jail. And come to find out, Michael had a wife and a child and another child on a way with a woman named Sarah um, at the same time. So when he gets out of jail, they're, you know, Sarah, Michael, excuse me, Megan was a virgin. Michael took care of virginity while still maintaining a sexual relationship with Sarah. He claims because she would hide, she would basically take the kids away and would not let him have the kids. He was nervous that he wouldn't be able to see the kids if he didn't have sex with her. <laughs> Okay. Um, Michael is a very interesting guy. So Michael lives in New York. Megan lives in Texas. Michael and Sarah live in New York. Megan lives in Texas. Michael and Sarah, his wife and baby mama are now separated. They're no longer together. And so Michael comes to Texas to surprise Megan. However, on the way, he gets a phone call in the car, um, which he describes as, quote, uh, a female called my cook phone at a bad time. Now they're having a conversation like she's obviously with her kids and he's like, they're just like checking in throughout the day. Not something, a conversation that I would be having with a male friend that I'm not sleeping with, but you know, <laughs> I guess we'll hear more about that as the season goes on. Um, so he shows up at her house and she is quote surprised, you know, even though she's got a mic pack on and I think it was worth noting. I, I'm loving these like producers little things is that Megan walks out of the house because she doesn't want, and she lives with her parents. So she just like, let's just have this conversation out here. Uh, so <laughs> they zoom in on Megan walking out and she's got this like full, you know, body hugging contoured dress on, you know, very sexy, especially for the daytime. <laughs> But just walking around shoeless and I just just like you guys just can't give Megan poor Megan a break um so they have a conversation outside and he was saying you know last season we saw them we found out that Megan actually had hooked up with made out with a former friend of Michael's actually the guy who ended up setting up Michael and Megan together to begin with so Michael was very 
angry, despite the fact that he had a whole family on the side <laughs> without telling Megan. And he was like, oh, well, come on, you can't, you, you can't hook up with my dude. So they kind of ended things pretty badly. And we find out that they had not spoken in a few months. So she's very skeptical, but she immediately is like, yeah, let's keep talking and like, let's figure all this out. So we find out that Megan is dressed up because she's about to go to dinner with her best friend B, which we've seen a little clips of along the way. He's kind of, you know, her voice of reason, her, you know, sounding board, her BFF. And he is very funny. He, you know, they show up to dinner. His name's B. B is not happy that Michael showed up and he's going to ride for Megan. He's going to sit there and support her and ask all the questions that Megan's not going to ask. Like, what do you plan on doing to regain her trust? How do we know that you're not hooking up with somebody else? How, you know, what, what are you doing to make yourself trustworthy? And Michael's, you know, kind of being nice, but he's like, I understand that that's your friend, but at the end of the day, the only thing that I have to, you know, typical fuckboy behavior, the only thing I have to prove anything to is her, and this is our relationship, so she has to make me happy, and I have to make her happy, and that's all that matters, and he just says, like, the B is overstepping his boundaries by even asking any of these questions, um, so, yeah, that was basically the end of, (laughs) he also calls Michael Forehead at one point, he says, Megan can do way better than forehead. So this is the kind of person that we're dealing with. And I, I am a B stan already. Um, the only thing that we see of Sarah is this really heartbreaking scene. She's watching the two girls and they are so freaking cute. They're the most adorable kids. Aviana is now a toddler, like a full toddler. Um, and she's obviously very smart, very sweet kid. Um, so they, this broke my heart. So they have these, like, Sarah says that Michael has not been around. He's not been present. He's not been, you know, answering his phone. And we see Aviana call him and he's not answering. And basically Sarah says that she's now resorted to having to do these, like, pretend phone calls with Aviana, pretending to be Michael in order to get her to, like, share her feelings about, you know, the fact that he's not really around. And it's so sad. They, like, having this fake phone conversation Sarah goes into the kitchen while Aviana's in the living room and they're like oh you know like how are you and Aviana's like oh I miss you I wish you would come over and you know I'll I'll even walk to you if you can't come here it's heartbreaking you guys so so sad and it's really a shame because Michael seemed to act like the his two daughters were his whole world and like they were so important to him and to find out that like this is how he's behaving it's just really not surprising but it's very sad especially to see like a child who is very clearly hurting from this um and next we have marcelino and Brittany, and they're kind of like if you guys watch teen mom they're like the chelsea and cole of love after lockup it seems like their life since getting together has been pretty good <laughs> all things considered i mean they seem to have a very happy relationship Brittany says that you know, things are going really well between them. They have a house, you know, Marcelino works playing poker. They have full custody of Giovanni, which was the child that she had prior to her relationship with Marcelino. Um, well, one of the children that she had, um, she is 
pregnant, we find out, and they are going to get the ultrasound for the baby, but they don't want to find out the gender. Um, so no, excuse me, the sex. (laughs) So there, I think she says she's 14 weeks along and we remember that she is a mother of now going to be five children. Um, so she had mentioned before in, in a previous season that she had two children prior to Giovanni that she had as a teen, that she had to give up for adoption because she was just not in, you know, the place to be able to, uh, take care of them. So that her desire now is to try to reunite with those children. Um, she's just saying that like things are going really great. Um, but she's just kind of overwhelmed with the amount of kids that they're having, like how they're going to be able to afford it and all of that. Very, you know, kind of normal slash boring problems. Um, but you know, it's nice to see them. Nice to see one couple be at least <laughs> the the least amount of dysfunctional that they can be all things considered. Um, I think we're going to end on, no, I'm going to go with Lacey and Shane. They are you know, probably the, the Pamela, Pamela Lee and Tommy Lee of, of love after lockup. She's like a buxom blonde and he has eyebrow tattoo, eyebrow piercings still. Um, so they are going to a reproductive specialist because they want to have children. We find out that Lacey had her tubes tied after her third child because she was not anticipating having any more children, but, um, that Shane wants to have two kids. He wants to have a boy. So he says like, if, if the first one's a girl, they're going to try again, blah, blah, blah. So this, I mean, it was pretty, you know, typical conversation with a reproductive person, except for we find out that Shane basically doesn't know anything about reproduction outside of the sexual aspect of it. Um, so he doesn't know what an embryo is. <laughs> he, he reveals that um, they have sex five to ten times a day. And the doctor and all of us had a lot of questions as to how that's even possible. Um, she asked Shane if he is employed. And he said, well, I'm employed by her in the bedroom and feeling pretty good. So <laughs> it was pretty, so stupid. Um, also, Shane clearly has a drinking problem. So in addition to the potentially have them potentially having a baby, they are moving in the episode and they're moving to a bigger home. And we find out that, you know, Shane doesn't have a job. Lacey's paying for everything. Um, we do know that in real life that they have like an OnlyFans account, which if y'all don't know what OnlyFans is, it's basically like you, it's porn. <laughs> basically like you pay people to do porn. Um, and Jesus Christ. So yeah, Shane has the drinking problem and he's walking around as they're moving, as the movers are trying to move everything out of their home that they have not packed a thing for. He's drinking what looks to be either a 40 ounce or some sort of, you know, one of those bottles that you find at the liquor store and like the sale section that has dust on it. Like it was a weird color. It was a big bottle, though, but it looked like something that really would make you sick. Um, so, yeah, he he has a drinking problem. Of course, there is another man in Lacey's life, and that is 
um, John, her former fiance that she had before um, meeting Shane when he got out of jail and uh, deciding to be with him instead. (laughs) So John, uh, we saw him. He's got a temper. He's got some issues. He and Lacey have a long history with one another, but uh, he... He's got substance abuse issues. So we find out that he had texted Lacey the night before saying that he was depressed, that his chest hurt, and Lacey is concerned. She calls one of her friends saying that she had gotten the text and that since then John's phone has been off and she hasn't been able to contact him. Her friend says, you know, he's John has done this a lot before. He does it for attention. And she basically talks Lacey off the ledge saying, you're not in a relationship with this guy. So like... I understand that these messages are concerning and that you feel like you should help him because he has a drug issue. Um, But it's not really your problem. You're a married woman. You're married to somebody else and you have to take that into consideration. So yeah, Lacey does not seem to be able to um, divorce herself from drama. I feel like there's always going to be another hurdle, another person, another man in her relationship, another reason to create some sort of like turmoil in her life. And it's weird. It's very weird. Um, I'm going to end on my number one couple in my heart and Wow. Andrea and Lamar. Andrea is a black Mormon living in Utah and Lamar is a gangbanger from South California. (laughs) They are a a sight to behold. I actually really like them. Um, Andrea has three children uh, and yeah, Lamar is just living his best life as a rapper. (laughs) So They have had their ups and downs, mostly due to the fact that Andrea wants to continue to be a Mormon in Utah and doesn't want to live in what she calls the hood um, in California with Lamar. She says that they don't have the sense of community, that the kids aren't happy in California. And she tried to, (laughs) last we saw Andrea and Lamar, she tried to basically kidnap him. They went to a trip to Utah And she surprises Aunt Lamar, I don't know if he calls it a surprise, by telling him that she had taken all his IDs and and his passports and had contacted his parole officer to get him moved to Utah. (laughs) She had done all these things without knowing. And of course, Lamar's reaction to that is, are you crazy? Like, what is your problem? And so he left, He he managed to take you know, his ID and left back to California. And then Andrea moved back to Utah with the kids and they have not seen each other since Andrea Lamar. And it's been months now. She says that Lamar is a much better father than he is a husband. And Andrea is actually filming the scene with her friends. They're doing a sip and see. One of her girlfriends just had a baby. So they're like, you know, having a blast, popping bottles of sparkling peach juice and doing crafts with each other. Things are really getting crunk. You hear me? Um, so obviously the sugar from the juice has gotten to Andrea's head because she decides to make a shocking, a shocking revelation. Now, 
I love a prison show. I love a 60 Days In. I love that show from Netflix where they're um, in jail that came out last summer. And I love Love After Lockup. So I feel like I know a pretty fair amount about the justice system, the ins and outs, the quirks, if you will. But this is something that I've never heard before. <laughs> and it didn't seem like any of those Mormon friends had heard of that either. Andrea's sitting around the table with her friends and she says, you know, there's something I really want to tell you guys and I have something to explain to you. So as you guys know, we're going to do a little math here. As you guys know, Lamar and I were in a relationship, you know, he had been in jail for like 20 years, but for the last seven years of his sentence, Andrea and Lamar had been in a relationship. Now we know, because we've seen this child, that Andrea has a child who is now five, meaning either Andrea had another relationship, but no, we find out that this child is actually the Mars. Now, how is that possible if this child is five and Lamar had been in jail prior to the conception of this baby, during the conception of this baby? Well, <laughs> well, <laughs> well. My God. So Andrea reveals to us that Priscilla, her five-year-old, is in fact Lamar's. Great. But how how could that be possible? So her friends naturally assumed that there was a conjugal visit to make that happen. No, that's not what happened, says Andrea. And then her friend's going, they're trying to figure out with each other. She said, well, she just said she couldn't have a conjugal visit. So how could they, how could this be her... Lamar's child oh so did you do like some sort of injection is there like a turkey baster thing no says Andrea (coughs) excuse me we find out something called closet time (laughs) (coughs) I'm so sorry you guys I I think I may throw up So Andrea reveals in a talking head that they have a thing called closet time and that she is revealing it now because um, Lamar is no longer on parole. And so even though what they did was illegal, he can't technically get in trouble for it. Closet time is a thing that you can pay off, I'm guessing, a a security guard um, to go into the closet and have sexy time and make a child. Now, of course, these Mormon women are horrified as am I (laughs) and this lady who's just has her brand new baby she starts to hold her a little tighter Andrea's best friend is there saying this is the first time that Andrea has ever lied to her which I think is a damn untruth (laughs) cannot possibly be true and she says that you know like I wouldn't have a baby in a closet but I think it's disgusting. <laughs> she, she couldn't even say like, do you girl? But she was just horrified. So that was love after lockup, you guys. Okay. Now here is, we have a lot to look forward to. We have a uh, married at first sight. We're going to be talking about that next week. Um, and love after lockups here. Vanderpump rules premieres tomorrow. Very excited. So with that, have fun, you guys. I'm going to see you. It's, I've been working a lot. This is the last you're going to hear from me. Have a great week. (laughs) Feel free to give me a five-star review. Here's my interview with Monty. And y'all have a great day.
thank you for listening. Thank you for speaking. I love you guys. Goodbye. You guys, I am joined by the lovely Moni of Mixing with Moni to discuss all the things that have gone down in Housewives this week. Wow. I mean, I thought, you know, New Year knew us, but I'm thinking 2020 is turning out to be just like seeing these housewives for what they really are. <laughs> right. I feel like it's, if it's not New Year, New Bravo, it's like New Year Wars Bravo. Like they're really <laughs> hunkering down. We're getting a little VH1-ish. Like we're entering a territory that I've never seen where they don't have any decorum, production doesn't give a fuck, and they're just letting it all hang out. This is unbelievable. I'm, I'm like... I'm I'm flabbergasted at all that has gone down this week. Seriously. Um, I think we should start with I think we're gonna start with Kelly Dodd. She was the most harmless I well well mm. <laughs> so mm. to speak. in the grand scheme of things. Kelly um, Dodd is being called harmless. We've done something wrong. <laughs> We've truly taken a left. Okay, so for you guys who didn't know, um, Kelly Dodd is engaged to Rick Leventhal, who is a Fox News anchor. Um, I think there were some questions about whether or not he, like, did, like, the political, like, he was on the political end of the spectrum with Fox News or not. But, I mean, it doesn't matter at this point because. um, Yeah, they're all political if they're working at Fox. I'm sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Kelly posted a picture a few days ago and she posted a picture of a wedding and she said the um, <clears throat> caption was beautiful wedding with an impressive guest list. Um, by the way, I'm not political. That got me. Um, that got me more than the politics thing. Unbelievable. With so an, t- a great guest list. <laughs> Truly. Like, are you proud of this? Okay. okay. So one of the guys was Jesse Waters, who's another Fox anchor. And he's a nightmare. He's known for being, like, just outwardly racist. There's a whole video if you guys want to be enraged um he and brandy maybe should talk brandy redmond because (laughs) he did a whole segment um a few years ago when he was in chinatown in new york and he was just being so wildly racist it's it's unbelievable that they that even fox news would post that was amazing um next we have kim guilfoyle girlfriend to donald trump jr who was sitting next to her standing next to her then we have the other trump eric and um his wife whose face is either blurred out to hell or it's botox i don't know um So, I mean, there's just another, I mean, she even tags her po- positive bre- beverage, um, you know, get that in, capped bitch. Uh, she, so, remember, she prayed for Target, so I'm not she surprised. She paid for Walmart, she got that, and yeah, wow, wow. Um, so, it was the wedding of Jesse Waters, and basically, you know, she's gotten a lot of backlash for associating with Trump. Um who was it? Oh, um, Jill. Jill Zarin is another big fan of the Trumps. Um, and is always of New York. The cast yeah. it. Never forget when Andy asked them who they voted for. And you can pretty much assume, like, I don't want anyone coming after me, Lynn. Well, they didn't say it. You can assume that if they didn't say who they voted for, when the other specifically they, they voted for Hillary, then we know who they voted for. Right. Because, I mean, let's be real, there's a lot less consequences saying that you voted for Hillary than than for Trump. <laughs> and they think, just like Kelly, that saying that they don't want to disclose or that they're not political makes it better, which in actuality, it probably makes it worse. 
it makes it worse because especially when, I mean, you clearly know that these are divisive figures and you were clearly in the, by calling those people an impressive guest list, it's implying right. that you find them to be at all enviable or... Um, and that you, you know, think you've arrived because you're at a wedding with them. And I'm like, actually, I don't think that people who are anti-Trump or not for Trump would find that impressive. I think they would literally say the opposite. So that's not the, the A-list guest list that you're thinking of. I don't really think it ever has been, but it definitely isn't now. No. <laughs> God, no. I mean, and if anything, like, I, I don't... Like, are they trying to brand these the the Trump boys as, like, cool? Like, I think the I Trump boys want to think that they're cool. <laughs> I don't think that Eric and, um, what's the other one, Don, actually realize how greasy they look. Like, I don't think that they know that they're not cool millennial stereotypes that, like, everyone wants to be. I think they think that they are the summer house kind of gel backed hair and right. them. I think, honestly, I think they think they're cool. And that's like the worst. Like I'm not, I'm kind of fresh out of college and I'm going to graduate school and they're like the boys who want to be the frat boys. They associate with the frat boys. Yes. Look like them. I want to act like them. I worked with the guy. I will not say his name because I'm pretty sure his girlfriend listens to this, um, <laughs> everything that I do. But I worked with a guy who literally wanted to just be that cool guy. And you can tell that he was the nerd in high school, not smart nerd, but like just genuinely not in the in crowd and very outlier. And then maybe got some proactive, some Clarisel when he got to college and is like, yeah, I'm cool. I'm one of the boys. I wear the pastel shorts from Vineyard Vines, but you're not. Like you, that's what the Trump boys think that they are. Like they think that they're the cool crowd because what their daddy's the most hated president in our century? Yeah, that sounds it's right. It's to me that they they lack such a polish. Like I mean, it like I think Jared Kushner is evil, and we can get into that later. But like, there's something about him that like it makes sense that he's this like evil rich rich guy. But like they just Junior and Eric just seem like goofballs who just happen to get happen to be wealthy. Yeah. Yeah. It's very and not even the good kind. Like they're not I mean, Nate Archibald. If you ever watch Gossip Girl, they're not that. Yes, they're not the cool they and cute rich boy. They lack the Manhattan private school polish that I I would expect from them. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Maybe because money can't buy your class, as Luann would tell us. 
Elegance is learned, my friends. Um, but you touched on a great point about, and this is like a total um, sidetrack, but I've been feeling this way about like, okay, so when you mentioned, you know, that they were maybe like late in life, cool guys, this is how I've been feeling about Mark Daly, Kenya's husband. Mm-hmm. I, I have a theory that Mark oh. was not attractive until later in life. And he definitely gives me short vibes. And so the way he talked to her, like at that dinner, it was like, like he just, like it, it, I just had like a a flashback to his life where like he wasn't appreciated by girls the way he felt like he deserved to be. Mm. And so he decided to become a know-it-all. And now that he's got this woman and, you know, he got his money, he's successful to whatever degree. I think he feels like, oh, I just know everything and these women are stupid. You see what I mean? I do see what you mean. I used to love The Millionaire Matchmaker and Patty Stinger had, there was an episode where one of the millionaires, she basically made millions off of being a cookbook author and having lost like a hundred pounds or something. And Patty Stanger talked about how this woman kept pining after the minute that makes her that weren't interested in her because she was still chasing after being the cool girl because she had just lost all this weight. And she was like, it's a classic case of you lose all this weight and you want to be the cheerleader and you're never the cheerleader. You're never in the popular crowd. So you keep trying to go after that life and prove to them that you deserved to be in with them and that you are one of them. And it just doesn't work because they don't care. That's exactly what happened. She went out on a date with a man that did not like her whatsoever. And that's the same thing I feel like is happening with Mark and Kenya. He wanted this pretty girl because, like you said, he was maybe not always that pretty. And he has cut a little bit of a short man complex. And all of a sudden, this pretty girl will talk to him. But he's determined to make her feel like you're not better than me to vindicate all, all the pretty girls weren't nice to him. Yep. 100%. I, I cannot believe that they're still together and that she's still trying to make this work. It's it's sad. <laughs> it's so sad to me. Uh, even more sad than Portia, I think. And that's a hard thing to be. That's hard to be. I mean, I... Whew, okay, yeah, Kara, you just kind of messed up my brain there. Like That, just, <laughs> that really stressed me out because now I don't know which one to hate more. And it's, it's a really weird tie because they're not on the same level because they didn't do the same things. But Mark, right. I think for me is a little worse because he gives me the same vibe that Todd gives me of like that mentality that just because you don't cheat on your wife means you're a good husband. And that's not it. And that's not the case. Right. Like we're, we're out of the days of roof overhead and money in the bank means that you're a good man, good father, good provider. That's not what this is. So Mark is like a touch worse because he's acting as if he is this know-it-all, but he's also mean like no one wants to see you being mean to your wife even if that wife is kenya and i like kenya but most people don't a lot of people don't but still even it's like with gina on oc just because i don't like the girl doesn't mean i want to see her getting beaten and dragged through the streets of orange county in a casita yeah absolutely and and like for you to get to the point like where you are just actively being rude to your wife where you're supposed to be having a nice night at a dinner where there are other couples other people so, like when you get to the point where you're making other people uncomfortable like you really got to pull it back and like when men when the other men like when Mike Hill was like I mean the fact that he was going on about how he loved Nene and how supportive she was and that was oh, just wrong 
I I was unbelievable. And I did not think because prior to this, like we heard that Nini and Kenya had gotten into this big fight and that um, Nini had said like that she and Mark were great friends. And I didn't believe it at all because I'm thinking, how the heck would Mark and Nini communicate with each other? But it sounds like Nini was right. And that's crazy. Yeah. It that's sounds crazy. like, and I was with Candy that night where she was like, no, you're not supposed to not take your wife's back in public. And that's something that I think Mike did a really good job handling without calling him out so rudely and just letting right. him know this is what I would do and what I would do is right. What you would do is wrong. He's like, listen, she's never been rude to me, but you know, if my wife, if she got a problem with my girl, then I have a problem with her too. And that's yeah. just how it is. It's not that hard. Like whether you like Nini or not, she's been nice to you or not. Well, of course she's nice to you, honey. She has no reason to be mean to you. She has no beef with you, Mark, but she has a beef with your wife. And that's your whole ass wife right there. So you're supposed right. to at least have her back in public on TV, maybe. At least at the very least. Ugh. I don't like Mark. Um, okay. <laughs> Let's go. I mean, in Atlanta are so trash. I, they gotta go. Really? I don't like any of them. I'm not even gonna lie. I think Mike Hill is the only one that I might like, and I'm I'm reserved on that. Real reserved because I am like very against taking a woman's moment, which is exactly what he did by proposing to her I at her wine cellar opening. Do that. Don't do it on a graduation day. Don't do it on yes. a birthday. Don't do it on yes. Christmas. Do it on a day that has nothing to do with anything remotely celebratory already. Yes, especially when you're celebrating a personal accomplishment. For you to be like, oh, our business. Was, it was so embarrassing. Like, and it's cheap. He did it because everyone was going to be there and right. he wouldn't have had to pay for the party. And I think he that's has to pay cheap. For the food, the wine, nothing. You, you bought a $12.99 bottle of whatever, <laughs> Corbell, and put a question mark on it. And there, there you go. What a nut. <laughs> he probably stole that bottle from a seller. Probably. Out of inventory, messed up her inventory, didn't even tell her. Um, okay, let's go on to the next one, which I think we're going to do Vicki Gunvalson. I'm, a lot of people have <sighs> talked about this. It's been discussed to the high heavens, but Vicki showed her ass like nothing I have ever seen before. And I thank God for the cameras rolling that we got to see all that, but I could not believe that she was so open about how vile she was behaving, like knowing that she was being recorded. Yeah. It's it was... that wow. woman. Oh my God. Uh, like I have never seen, I think Emily said it best where I've never seen someone so self-righteous and so self-involved. Like, Vicky is Vicky's biggest fan, and she is so grossly offended that you don't think that she is the shit like she does. Yeah, it's, I mean, the whole, I built this franchise and blah, 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 like, girl, I, what I think is what happened, and I don't know if this has been spoken about, is like, I think that she was going to be a full-time cast member until she sued Bravo, and then they were like, you know what? Fuck you, Vicky. <laughs> you were going to be friend of. I think they probably would have pulled her out entirely, but so much of the the show was based around her. So much of the season was based around filming her. That um, yeah, I think something happened at the last minute. I, especially because when Andy did that, like, oh well, 
the whole Jane Roe thing, basically outing her as having sued Bronco. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think she was expecting that, which is shocking. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just I think I think something must have happened late in the game in filming in terms of production. So I actually have a little bit of a spin on that, just based on some of the things that I've heard, um, yeah. and a a bit of a different theory. Um, it's no secret that I have a interesting, it's kind of a nice relationship with some Bravo celebrities and some other like Bravo accounts and stuff that get some of the tea on these things. And it seems to me that allegedly Vicky was not aware that she was going to be um, full time, that she wasn't going to be full time and that they filmed her engagement party earlier than people thought that they did it was mm-hmm. not originally this the finale party allegedly and mm-hmm. it became such but that's the reason why they thought vicky was going to be in it the whole time and then they found out that she wasn't midway through filming and production i remember that production sent her a bouquet of flowers everyone believes that she sent them to herself i believe she pulled a whole steve lodge and had them sent to herself just like she did last year on their trip um yes. And she was sent. She sent herself these flowers because she wanted to, to dispel rumors that she was going to be demoted. Everyone had heard that she was going to be demoted. She said something real weird on social media about how she, you could never demote her and she will always be a full time housewife. And then they were like, "Oh, really, bitch?" And then they demoted her ass. Mm-hmm. And so the thing is. It's always been said, rumored, because we none of us are housewives, so we don't know what the contract actually states, but it's always been rumored that housewives cannot sue each other. It's right. the reason why Kelly could not sue Vicky when she literally said that she's a drug addict. So that's a problem, all alleged, yeah. but that's a problem. And she didn't do it. But if you're a friend of, believably you can. So she decided to inno- in- invoke that right and sue Kelly and sue Bravo, but she took it a step too far by suing NBC fucking Universal. So you don't right. sue your boss if you're trying to get your job back. And then they hit her with a, if you're suing us, you cannot come to the reunion until we drop this. A very good like source of that is Camille and Taylor Armstrong, season one or two of Beverly Hills, where they could not be in the same place with Camille because of their open lawsuit against Camille. And that literally led to Housewives can't sue each other because we can't film it. We can't film anything. We don't get to talk about anything. So that being said, she dropped the suit so she could come to the reunion because again, she's so self-involved. She could not fathom a reunion without herself, which is why we also got her for all three parts amazing okay i love i love that that makes a lot of sense um so i mean i think the hottest issue aside from her meltdown was the conversation between her and bronwyn in which she basically was like i am uncomfortable with the fact that you're vicarious (laughs) and that it's disgusting or that you just live your life and you define marriage your way so that you can stay married and keep a husband unlike vicky gonfelson uh, thank you. I think Vicky, I mean, it's no, um, you know, everybody knows this. Vicky loves to be married. She loves to have her wealth tank be filled. Obviously, we've seen her be this, like, more, you know, quote, open-minded, quote, fun Vicky with Don and even with Brooks. Like, I mean, she was very stressed out because Brooks was a liar and a crook. <laughs> but yeah, she, when I'm she was having it. fun, she seemed to be having more fun. 
with Steve, I think Steve is like uber, uber conservative. And she's like, yep. I'm not going to let this dude go. And so I'm just going to like try to be the perfect Mrs. Lodge Chavez and, you know, just try and make this work. But she's really overstepping. And I don't, I don't see what she is to gain by her being homophobic. Like, how does that score yeah. points in the Lodge household? I would completely agree. I do not um, understand why she's holding on to the show so deeply when she knows that this man does not want any part of it for her. Because what's happening is she does not want to let go of the show because she feels she built it and it is literally owed to her that she's a part of it because I also think she needs the money. But she doesn't want to let go of Steve Lodge, even though I know she is not in love with that man. Even Tamara said that. And even Annie said that. She's not in love with this man, but she doesn't want to let go of him. But she knows that her life and how she's led it before this in the show is not good look. It's not a good look for him. And because she can't leave the show because she's too egotistic, she has to revamp the show in her mind to where she thinks it should be because she's talking about classing up a show that has literally been sans class since she started it because of her. I've seen Tamara's boobs more than I have seen my own. She peed on a bed. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's nothing. She's a grown woman. <laughs> and she peed on the bed and Tamara was like, stop peeing on my bed. And she was like, I can't help it. It came out. And I was like, this is not okay. This is just... <laughs> And it was fine until she started telling us that other people's behavior was too trashy because it wasn't, it wouldn't be something she would do on her show. And I'm like, I've seen your boobs so many times, so so many times. They pass around Tamara's implant in the clubhouse, like a fucking hot potato. (laughs) I I mean, I dipped out of um, uh, Orange County for like a season or two, but wasn't there a whole storyline of like Tamara dating a woman or, or, a flirtation between a woman or something like yeah and i think they said something to that effect they were like um but what about tamra like she had a relationship with a woman and they also told her like why aren't you um mad at tamra and stuff and she's like well i did i had a conversation with her off camera and we're like but see that's the thing you're not having a conversation with bronwyn off camera you're telling the whole world that you think that this woman is trashing your show, which I truly don't get. Because if anything, I would have sent that to Kelly first, which I know she constantly does do that. But to say that because of Bronwyn's sexuality that she's kissing other women on the show and Tamara has literally gotten naked with every woman on the show beforehand, that's ridiculous to me. Like, and it's, it, I can't believe she had the nerve to say that also to Andy. A In member front of Andy. Of <laughs> the LGBTQ community and telling him she needs to pick a lane that sent me that I was, was so confused when she said she needs to pick a lane and you want men or women i'm like have you never heard of a bisexual there's a b and it's the b stands for something there are letters that come with the b and it's right. bisexual right it, it's like, so so wild to me and like truly for her to act like not even the show, but even the whole franchise or the whole, you know, franchise as a whole. It's like, it's not Downton Abbey. This isn't a prestige show. This isn't like, what do you, what, I'm just curious to think like, what in her mind does she think Orange County is? Or what is she, what in her mind does she think the housewives are? I'd like to say, I know what Orange County, the city is supposed to look like. 
right. and what that looks like. I know what the show is, and it's not what Orange County's ever been proud of. I know that much. It, it's truly, truly wild to me. Um, so there were reports that she is now back as a full-time cast member. Is that true? Because I didn't so, really look at- Yeah, I've, I've heard the same thing. I would like to think that that's a rumor that she started because so say it, so be it. Because people were saying she was demoted and then miraculously she got demoted. So I think okay. that that doesn't have any merit to it yet. They have not even begun to do that yet like to even get to that yet and something that i think most people that are like even slightly in the know like bravo fans would know that like they don't make any decisions about casting until well after the reunion until like they're about to start filming again like honestly that's only they only do like jump the shark a little bit if they know the ratings have been consistently great and that's really the case with OC. It's done well, but I know that they want to do some things and change some stuff up. So like the only mm-hmm. exception this year has been Potomac that started filming before the reunion even. Yeah. Like, right. Which is great. I mean, I'm not mad at that. That's because they were so consistent with, you know, how good they were. And they, but they also knew what they were going to change. So if they knew what they were going to change and stuff already, which I've heard they do, um, allegedly, I've heard from a source that I've already named um, that there is going to be some shakeups. Thank God. And you're going to know some family members and some of the cast members a little bit better as like potential friends of, like a cousin and a sister and that kind of stuff. Okay. Interesting. So expanding the Housewives universe a bit more. Yes. Which I'm not mad at. And because I mean, I would like to see more of like Bronwyn's side of the family because I feel like that's a spinoff one day waiting to happen. I feel like if they're ever going to get rid of OC, they're going to make a Brady Bunch of the Windenberts to rival yeah. that of Tardy for the Party. Is that mm. what it's called? Yeah, I don't remember what it's called. I haven't watched that show <laughs> in years. But to rival that, you know, because I don't yeah. think they want to give it to Kim, but I think they like the dynamic of the family. And there's no better family of a spicy looking couple who has way too many kids than the Lindenbergs. I mean, they've literally rivaled the Zolciak Beermans. Right. You're right. Um, they, and there's so much there to Bronwyn that I think she just like, she'll like briefly mention the fact that she left Sean for years <laughs> and then like briefly we'll, we'll touch on the issues with Dr. Deb, her mother, but like there are a lot of things that we need to uncover here. And here's another thing that I took extreme issue with in terms of the Orange County reunion was the people seem to be turning their opinions around on Shane. How did you feel about that? So I don't know if it turned all the way around. We didn't do a 180 and we didn't do a 360. We did like a 275. Really? I'm halfway. I was confused by who this man was. Because my theory is, because people have been like, maybe he was nice to Emily on camera because it was on camera. And I was like, if that were the case, he would have been nicer to her the entire last season that we've watched. If it was just for the cameras. The man does not give a fuck about what we think and how we think about how he treats his wife. That much is painfully evident. So if that's the case, I don't think he doesn't like his wife. I think he is like what we see the kids do when we see kids acting out a lot on camera. And we I've heard a lot of 
housewives say that that's because they film long hours. They think that when mommy's coming home, it's to be with them and it's not, it's to film. They get really annoyed by that. The camera crew is always there. They can't have access to mommy like they want to. And I think we're seeing Shane act like a six-year-old. I think he gets annoyed that these cameras are always in his goddamn house, that they're always taking up his space, that they're reminding him that he is an unaccomplished little man. And he's annoyed by that. So I think that they've led us to believe for a lot longer because they have more evidence that he is not a fan of his wife than that he is. So they just cut out the that he is part and just go with the that he's not a fan. I do think he likes his wife. I think he loves his wife. I think he's always been supportive of her and loved her. I think that doesn't sell because he's already really buried himself in a fuck you manner to the show and to the viewers. So they just go with that. Okay, so my my thing is, is that, like, he kept, you know, saying, you know, I never stopped being attracted to Emily, like, even after the weight gain, I never said anything about her gaining weight, blah, 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 and it seemed like, at that point, all the housewives, like, particularly the Shannon, was like, oh, well, I feel like you really misled the situation, but, like, I always felt like, I don't, I never got the impression that he was not attracted to Emily, and I didn't. I never think- got the impression of that either. I didn't think that that was the issue. The issue is when we see her calling after she finds out that she's got hip surgery and he was like, yeah, well, you should have done that a long time ago. It's like, I think she needs compassion and she needs him to be a little bit more sensitive to him. And we see that he is not like, there's no faking that. And so obviously like there's two sides to every story and nobody's hundred percent. Three sides really. Well, yeah, exactly. But I mean, nobody's ever 100% responsible for the damage of their relationship. And I think Emily admitted to that. Like, she showed the text and she has said, like, I've lashed out. I don't, I just didn't understand why the women were so, it seemed like they turned on her and were like, well, it kind of seems like you're more of the problem now. And I don't think it's true. I just, I think what we're seeing is like, You know, at some point, we all get to a point of, if you're like, I'm asking you to be a little bit kinder, I'm asking you to be a little bit nicer, warmer, gentler, and if you're not getting that, then at some point, you're just going to be mean, because, you know, to quote Sonya Morgan, being nice doesn't work with you people. <laughs> so Yeah, I, that makes sense. You know, I, I would also offer up that... <sighs> As someone who, because I know, um, I don't know what Emily suffered from exactly with her hip situation, but I am led and inclined to believe that maybe she should have gotten it done sooner. And the fact that we're seeing it on camera means that she waited because she had to wait. Like they told her, hey, wait, Um, or hey, let's catch this on camera. Um, And from a husband's perspective, he could have just been annoyed. Like I, I've been annoyed with my partner when they don't do something that is beneficial to them when I told them to, and when they know they should have, and then they call me complaining that now shit's hit the fan, and I'm like, well, duh, I told you that was gonna happen, and <laughs> done it before. Sorry, you're hurting, but I love you enough to tell you when you should have done it that this was going to help you, and you waiting. And now you want me to be sad about it with you. And I told you, do this for yourself. Right. So who? <laughs> and I can kind of <laughs> understand if that was the case. Um, I think that there are so many things that we don't know about production. And I'm not team, I'm not a Shane, a Shane Stan or anything. 
I just think that there are so many things we don't know about of how many times they're like, hey, can you do this again? Hey, can you talk about that? Hey, when he comes in the door, ask him about. And he's like, I'm not here to play this game. I didn't sign on for this show. She mm-hmm. did. And I'm not doing what? that. I'm like not he talking heads. So, but when he's doing a talking heads, it's hard to say that he didn't sign up for this, you know? Yeah, he did do them talking heads. But that's also because if he didn't, she would not be able to be a full-time housewife, which I don't know why Gina is allowed to do this full-time because usually it's if they're not on screen we you're not full-time and I don't care if Matt is an awful human show me something my frustrations and like you know obviously I felt for her heavy when they were discussing the abuse allegations like it was horrific and you could just tell her heart was broken and I I you know awful but it's hard just as like taking that away and I know that's like a a hard thing to say but like just in terms of like her storyline on the show it's always been about Matt but we never see Matt so it makes me hard it makes it hard to like emphasize with like the back and forth of their relationship like I fully empathize with the abuse part but it's hard to be like oh we're getting a divorce we still like each other but like Okay, but I don't see this guy. So, like, I don't have an investment in something that I can't Yeah, I also can't believe you. Right. Like, we don't even see pictures of him. Like, they're always, his face is always blurred out. Right. I don't, (laughs) and now we know what he looks like in real life. And I think that that was just such a stupid way of doing it because... You knew we were going to find him. There are so many Kurt Schneiders in OC, in California, and anywhere. Right. We can that. Especially now that we know his first and last name and know yours. It's called right. a marriage license. We can find it. So we're going to know what this man looks like. So I don't understand why Housewives even do this of like his job telling him, if you film the show, you will lose your job. But I didn't think that the job... I don't think the job knew that the caveat also was if you beat your wife, you will lose your job. Right. So now he has no job either way. So we still should have gotten him on screen. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But I do you like Gina for the no. show? No, I don't. I don't either. At all. I don't think she gives me anything. Anything. I, I don't either. I don't even think she talks like that in real life. I don't. I feel very strongly that Gina's accent is only 80% real as much as Sofia Vergara's accent is still 80% that way. Right. It, it, just, it's a, it's a Dorit situation of like, what's going on here? Right. It's a little too put on and I have very, and I'm not to sound like this cliche, but I have very, very many Latinx friends who have informed me Sofia Vergara's accent is not that strong. There's just no way. They're like, my mom isn't that strong. She just got here five years ago. And I'm like, okay. And I have two Colombian friends who are like, girl, none of us talk like that. And I was like, okay. They're like, it's a Hollywood thing. They need it to be stronger to sell the va-va-va-voom. So they need Gina to say things like, it sounds a little funny when I say it. Because they need it to sell the Long Island thing. But I watched Long Island Princesses. I watched it religiously. They didn't even sound like Gina. And, and I live in New York, and I don't hear that accent very often. And no one when sounds I like Gina Bajina. Right? It's so, so crazy. And I, I don't know why she thinks people think that's cute. Um, no, I don't think, I don't, those few East Coast accents I find attractive. And that's including the ones around me. And I live in D.C. So it's including this one. 
Right. I don't like most, most most East Coast accents are really hard for me. They're very put on and very strong. And they're like, there's no turn off and there's not, not a lot of charm to them. It's not like the South where it's like everything sounds better in it, even the racist slurs that we've heard. Um, right. But all the rest of it is just like, it's incredibly strong. And I don't find it to be coinciding with Gina's personality. I don't think she's strong enough to have an accent like that. Like she doesn't give me anything <laughs> good. I only want her on the show because I, I want her away from her trash ass husband. But I heard she's not making that much like at all on the show. I can't imagine she is. I've heard even Shannon's not making that much. I've heard allegedly that Shannon only makes in the 60s. What? I've heard that from so, a few people that OC wow. is low paid. Like low paid. That's what the hell is she gonna do with sixty thousand? That is crazy. That's why she took David back to court. Ooh, good lord! She better get to selling that salmon. Like I know for a fact. <laughs> maybe she should sell it with the cream cheese. If she sells it in, <laughs> like maybe she can get like a collab with Philadelphia cream cheese, and then right. boom. We are in there. Like, sure, have go on Shark Tank, Shannon. Have them negotiate that deal with Philadelphia cream cheese, and you will be in all the frozen store like sections of Whole Foods and all the above. And you will you will sell out, girl. I believe it. I believe it will happen for her. But yeah, no, there definitely no Atlanta where that's the highest paid cast. Like cons- yeah. the whole cast is the highest paid. That's that. But even those numbers to me aren't necessarily. As high as you would think to be the highest paid, if that makes sense. Right. Like their number in Atlanta is like two million. Yeah, she yeah. makes like between like I think two point one and two point two, and Candy makes the most at like two point three ish. Okay. And then it's Candy Kenya, uh, Candy Nini Kenya, and then the lowest is like Eve. Uh, I think at like eight hundred. Oh, wow. And that is incredibly alleged. I haven't looked at those numbers in a very long time. They were reported like early last summer. Um, but yeah, so they're all like, they all make about a million plus. 800 is a nice little check for it's, it's around- a check. It bought her her last house. Sitting around eating absolutely lost chips all day. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and she, it kind of delivers. So. And she always goes back and forth. I go back and forth with her, but she kind of gives me something. Definitely more than Gina. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultrasoft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Well, I was telling, um, I think I was telling Ronnie Karam that, like, 
Eva to me, it's like you're, you're like trying to get into a double dutch game. And she's like, Trent, like you think she's about to do something. Or maybe I told you this, but she doesn't quite do it. And I, I just, I see the potential there, but she's not really getting into it with, for me yet. Like, I just need her to not be pregnant for like five minutes. I, I would I like to not pregnant, but I also think that for someone who is pregnant, she's doing better than most pregnant housewives. Well, she's not pulling a Kim Zolciak and being like, hmm. I can't fly. My doctor said I can't fly. Right. But like no. she comes all the way to the outing where they announce the trip just to be like, I can't go on the trip and then quit the show right. in the same <laughs> breath. Eva, right. no, she's not giving us that. She's flying. She's going with us and she's reading people. She's incredibly like, I loved her on the ball in the dirty whining class yes. in <laughs> Toronto. Cause she was like, I need to whine less. Like the, the, <laughs> me winding in is what got me here. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I enjoyed that and I enjoyed her moving around on that ball like uh-uh. It was funny. <laughs> I mean, it was very cute. And I, I like her personality even when she's not drunk. Like she wasn't drunk on that bus going back and forth with Marlo, but I enjoyed it. And I oh, appreciate well, that they can Ooh. read and give me goods when they're not drunk. That yeah, that's what I want more from her. I want more of those moments where she's just like, Your wig is dusty go do something about it <laughs> for sure oh gosh okay so our last thing and this is the biggest thing hot off the presses the racism in dallas has reached a fever oh pit. boy and so as all of you know um leanne has been roasted to all hell for the repeated comments that she's made about Carrie, who is Mexican, calling her a chirpy Mexican, saying she's all Mexican and strong, beating her chest. Every time she seems to be even slightly upset with Carrie, she makes some comment about her being Mexican. Um, Carrie did not find this out basically until the finale. And Leanne was unrepentant. Even to this day, she doesn't really seem to take issue with what she said. Nope, I heard she still doesn't. I did a interview with Deandra right before the reunion aired yeah. for my podcast. And I was surprised she could talk as much as she did. Or that I'm surprised that she did talk as much as she did. Um, and she told me that they basically filmed that part of confronting Leanne about this one specific thing for about 90 minutes. And okay. she didn't. It went nowhere. And I also did a little looky-loo over on my Fios episode guide. And next week's Dallas reunion part two is an hour and 15 minutes. So a lot of me feels like they just didn't want to cut any of it out. And mm -hmm. that's consistent with what they've been doing lately. Because that's what Andy said is they just showed what happened. They didn't want to cut out what Leanne said because they wanted to show what happened. So if we're going to go 90 minutes of recording to an hour and 15 of showing pretty much all of it for one whole part, they're about to air this woman out. Yeah, it's it's gonna get real heavy. And we saw in the preview that um, Brandy takes a folding chair and basically tries to get Leanne to sit on it. I guess because what she a races, nutcase doesn't want to sit I, next to her. Or something. Sociopath. Like I've never disliked Brandy, but like seeing what we see now and her defending this, you know, video that she did and doubling down on that to then a few months later or before or whenever 
getting a folding chair and telling Leanne how grossly disappointed she is in her and how bad this is and how she has to get off the couch and sit in time out. I'm like, are you okay? Like, are you a sociopath? Like, what is that? Like, how can you do both? Like, I would not be, I wouldn't even comment because I'd be like, for me, I'm just, I'm such a rehabilitated liar, like, that I'm just so afraid to even be found out. So I'm, I would wow. say nothing. I don't want them to call me. I don't want them to come back on me. I don't, I'm not a witness. I, my name is Bennett. I'm not in it. I didn't see it. I didn't do it. No, don't ask me. Skip to the next person. And I yeah. believe Randy is the only one on like the whole stage that calls her a racist. Like that's what yeah. they're alluding to next week is that she's the one that calls Leanne a racist. And I'm like, how we yeah. get here? How we get here? <laughs> I'm just so confused how you can have such conviction that Leanne is a racist and then tell us, I would do that impersonation again in a minute. And I'm like, okay. So you guys, Brandy, um, okay, so Leanne's uh, wedding planner leaked a video of Brandy on like Instagram stories. What a nightmare. (laughs) And then he went on a blocking spree, like right after that, if you said anything badly about Leanne. I was like, you're having a good night, Steve. He's so stupid. Uh, so in this video, Brandy's like using a quote Asian accent, a racist Asian accent, and talking about her eyes, are, how her eyes are squinty, and her kids are in the car and they're like laughing. And so, come to find out, I don't know how Steve got this video, but he leaked it. This was from. Are we in season four of Dallas? Yes, we are. They're the, they're at the same rate as Potomac, which is hard for okay. people to understand because their ratings are way worse, <laughs> like so bad. <laughs> but yeah, they're at the same. It's been four years. Okay, so they um, you're right, you're right, because they did premiere right. Okay, mm-hmm. um, right after. So Brandy claims that this video is from 2000, or excuse me, from season two, where I guess this was like spurred on by, I think she said Deandra calling her Asian or saying that she had squinty eyes. And so yes, that is something it, that I did. I saw. Yeah. So she made this video basically like, quote, mocking the fact that she said this. So obviously people were horrified, especially because this had just come off the heels of, you know, Leanne and Leanne being so, um, or Brandy rather being so vocal about Leanne's racism. Um, so then she starts, okay, so there's one tweet that she says, my heart should start happening. (laughs) (laughs) She says, my heart hurts and I do apologize if I hurt anyone. Not my intention. It was never directed towards anyone but myself, which is what? (laughs) It wasn't directed towards anyone but yourself, but you decide to go use someone else's identity to attack yourself? It's, it, it's, it doesn't I mean, make any sense. So did you see these, like, this tweet threads from a guy named Oh, are you talking about the, like what he calls her out for like, he was formerly a friend of her and Stephanie's? Yes, yes. So I'm just and gonna then read. And like downhill from there. Yes. <laughs> so I'm gonna read a couple of the tweets that he said. Um, so somebody also tweeted Brandy and said, you support this racist in front of her kids. For some reason, she, this lady tagged um, SNL, Kevin Hart and Kiki Palmer. And I'm, yeah, that was really so strange. 
so but, strange. I love right. clout chasers. I mean, y'all are really cute out there. Y'all really, and they do it to me too. They'll try to tag me with a bunch of people because they want me to see it and say something snarky. Right. But then they want like Wendy Williams to see it too. And <laughs> like Carly Claus, Brandy, um, Andy Cohen. I'm just like, what's happening here? None of us are going to watch. They're not Kevin Hart and Kim Palmer are not laughing at the same things, girl. Like they're just not. <laughs> okay, <laughs> the one in America, <laughs> Michael and Sarah. <laughs> uh, okay, so this guy at um, he's at Reed R E E D with the Reed R E A D. Um, so he gives a little background That's to a this really whole cute title tweet. Yeah, it is this whole um, <laughs> thread about his relationship with the women of Dallas. So he said back in 2015, um, this was like two months before they revealed a trailer and a full cast list for Dallas, I became heavily involved with Brandy and Stephanie and began over a year-long phase of DMing with them on a regular basis. He goes on to say that, like, you know, basically that he was just as thirsty as they were. They wanted to be famous, and he was thirsty to be kind of like in the in-crowd with the housewives. And during this time that they would share... I love a self-read. I appreciate the fact that he said he was thirsty. I really do. Um, And because of their relationship, they would share things with him. And he says that um, one time they told told him that they would never publicly state their political beliefs out of fear of not being accepted or liked by the fans because of their conservative backgrounds. And also that they staged their fallout in season two. Um, and he said, you know, um, Brandy said that she had a miscarriage and he said it was basically like bullshit that Stephanie had no idea about the miscarriage. Um, so this relationship went on for a few years. Um, and then Reed says that he basically felt like he was doing their bidding by like being able to say the things in public that they weren't able to say because of the show. Um, mm-hmm. Which I 100% believe. Oh, Absolutely. Um, so then he said, he goes on to say that, like, they told him that Leanne had ruined their lives and Brandy basically stopped wanting to leave a paper trail. And so he called her. So she called him, um, and that she, when she made this phone call, she was really drunk. Her kids were around and that she also had outed him to a friend or to a family member on the phone, knowing that he was not fully out that broke Um, my heart which is the only reason i believe this thing because he's not saying that like they did anything mean or snarky to him per se that made him feel like i gotta get off this train or it's not like a, a he say she say about bravo he's like i was friends with this these women and then this happened in my own personal life and i had to create distance which happened way before we found out about this you know video or Leanne or any of this. He is just not piping up because he's like, no, it's fully in her character to have zero decorum and zero zero respect for other people because she did it to me. And it's not even the same, it's not even under the same umbrella, but that broke my heart. If you are someone that outs someone, I hate you. I just do. I hate you. Yeah, it's it's disgusting. Uh, So then he said, like, later in, in, like, late 2018, Brandy asked if, um, I guess he had gotten a video of Leanne ranting about production and thereby breaking her, 
contract. So rather than do her bidding one more time, he went to Leanne to tell her what they were going to do. Um, so then he shows the screenshots of is their conversation um, and him giving her his number to talk about that. Um, so then he told her basically everything that he had happened between Brandy and Stephanie. Um, he seems more upset by Brandy. He doesn't mm-hmm. really say much about Stephanie other than the fact that they had, that they had formed a relationship. Um, and that they had faked that storyline about the uh, miscarriage. Um, but basically, yeah, he's, like you said, just showing that this is like always been in Brandy's character. And yeah, I am shocked. I don't think, I think even as we speak, Brandy has still continued to double, double down, down and yeah. say that she's not, I mean, this is very shocking to me. And it seems like, I mean, this is obviously raising the question of like, what are we doing with Dallas? If you guys, A, aren't really even breaking the million viewer mark. Not be- even close. We're not, we're not even three quarters of a million. Right. That's the crazy <laughs> part to me. They're doing horrifically. Like, and I, I find it very surprising because I would think that Dallas would do very well. Just like being a Texas show, I would think that people would really be interested in that. I think it's but just think- because Texas, true Texans, they like keeping their life to themselves. They really do. Because they don't like the idea of having to exploit themselves. They're truly conservative in every kind of way, including like how they expose their wealth and their riches. I um, have said on my podcast, I went to school in Texas when I was younger. We lived there for a few years in Dallas specifically. And that town is in a league of their own. They are the Lone Star State for a reason. Mm -hmm. They are very different in their approach to things. It makes sense for them, though. They're even different than the rest of the South. Like, they're just different. And it's not in any way bad or good. They're literally just in a league of their own. So they don't really like to be the conformative type. Like, I've always said they are literally like a Beverly Hills of of the South, where if you're looking for, like, um, some expensive, fancy restaurant or boutique, that is in Beverly Hills and Manhattan, and then it will be in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's something that even like DC can't say, because we try to get things all the time that are exclusive. And we're so conservative that we can't get certain things just because they don't like the look of it. But Dallas right. is like, we will never be undersold. We will have what we have, but we like it for ourselves. Even though they're such a huge state, they don't really like the attention. They're not like Hollywood or New York. They don't want the lights and the glitz and the glam. They just want to be rich and happy, which I totally yeah. understand. And it's why the cast of Dallas is not inherently rich because the real rich ones just would not have anything to do with it. And I know where Stephanie lives. Most of the women in that neighborhood would be damned. They would literally rather rather pull out each of their extensions by hand (laughs) than be on that show. Huh. Well, I love Heidi didn't want to stay. And Leanne tried vehemently to get Heidi Dillon to stay on. And it's interesting because we've always heard that the first season of Dallas was not a housewife show. Right. So that leads me to believe that's the only reason why they got so many of the Highland Park women to be on it. And literally, they've never gotten one since, since it became a housewife show. And Leandra kind of explained the evolution of that 
to me on the podcast. I truly do not remember it. Um, but there is some understanding as to why they're like, if it's going to be associated with those type of women, largely anything that has to do with Orange County, most people don't want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Because that is the predecessor and no town wants to look like OC. I would hope not. <laughs> I hope not. So, um, yeah, I can kind of, I, but I just feel like with Brandy, I'm disappointed. I've been careful to call it for what it is, which is racist, because I just didn't feel like having this fight with anybody. And I had a lot of words with a lot of people about the Leanne thing. But what mm-hmm. I will find, what I will say is interesting, and I'll just leave it here for people to interpret however they want to. I found it interesting that so many people hopped on board with what Brandy did to Asian women being a problem before they hopped on board with what Leanne did to Carrie and Mexican people eight times consecutively a problem. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I I think that's a great point. And I think we'll leave it at that. (laughs) I mean, because we can be mad about both concurrently. And I am. We can. I am disappointed in everybody a part of this. And I've also heard that they were recasting most of Dallas anyway, but the people they were recasting were not the ones in hot water. So now I'm just like, throw it away. Like, what do we do with it now? Right. There's just no point. If you're going to get rid of anyone other than Brandy and Leanne, then there's no point. There's no point. Not if you're only getting 600,000 people a, a week. Yeah, that's, that's, that's madness to me. Madness. Um, okay. Well, Moni, thank you so much for being on here. I could talk to you for hours, but. I know. And I'm so sorry. I go for hours. I mean, <laughs> no, I never no, run I out of words. I don't know how the hell I do. <laughs> it's I'm always <laughs> hoarse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me pretty much anywhere you podcast, Mixing with Moni. Um, And I'm on Instagram, and now I am bringing my bullshit to Twitter, at Mixing with Moni, M-I-X-I-N-G-W-I-T-H-M-A-N-I. And again, anywhere you podcast as well. Awesome. I'm about to defile you right after I'm done with this on Twitter. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) All right, girl. Well, you have a great day. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It was so much fun. I was just talking about you yesterday. Oh. I did.